You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Every Star Trek fan came to Star Trek in their own way. Each of us has a story to tell about how we found Star Trek and why we stayed. This is your Star Trek story. Okay, so I am really, really excited about what's about to happen. Uh, As you know, I recently brought two new people onto Daily Star Trek News. Uh, That's Jack, who now writes the news with Chris, and also T, who writes the trivia and history for the show. Uh, And today, I am reading their Star Trek stories. Now, before I get started, I just want to say that this episode of Daily Star Trek News is sponsored by BetterHelp, and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling at betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. We'll hear more from them later. Uh, Don't forget to stick around for the end of the episode. I do have the answer to this week's Trek trivia, so there's that to look forward to as well. Okay, so uh, let's get on with it. First, we're going to hear from Jack. Okay, I've got got Jack's story here. (sighs) Right. So Jack says, my Star Trek story has a somewhat nebulous beginning. I can't remember the first time I saw Star Trek, but I can remember that when I was in first grade, I deliberately disobeyed my parents, who had gone out for the night and said, no TV. I, however, was not going to miss seeing Star Trek. So at a very young age, it had clearly already made a huge impression on me. I can remember wanting to be Captain Kirk for Halloween and building my first model of the Enterprise. When I was 10, I received a copy of B.J. Trimble's Star Trek Uh, Star Trek Concordance, which became my constant companion as I kept track of which episodes I had seen. I pored over that book and learned everything I could about this franchise that had captured my imagination. What was it about Star Trek that impacted me so powerfully? I'd like to say that at a very young age, I was already captivated by Gene Roddenberry's vision of a future where humankind had learned to get along and become explorers, spreading a message of peace and goodwill, Uh, But to be perfectly honest, it was probably the spaceships and monsters. But as I got older, the deeper themes of Star Trek began to work on me, and as I rewatched episodes and was able to absorb the stories that were being told, I found not only a show that hit all of my sci-fi buttons, it also hit all of my humanity buttons. I loved the vision, and what Roddenberry referred to as the human adventure became something that I wanted to be in on. A powerful memory for me is the release of Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979, when my dad drove me almost an hour each way so I could see it on opening day. To see the Enterprise on the big screen was almost too much for my 13-year-old self to take. I had to keep myself from cheering or crying or both. As I got older and actually began pursuing film and TV studies as a career, Star Trek was always there. Each film and television iteration reinforced what I first loved about the show, great human stories about well-crafted characters being told through fun and fascinating science fiction. That's what keeps me around through every high and low, whether we're watching Picard assimilated by the Borg or Paris and Janeway having lizard babies. (laughs) It's all Star Trek, and to me it's all glorious. The human adventure is just beginning, indeed, and I still want in on it. Uh, so that's Jack. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. All right, now I've got T's story, and it is a doozy. 
Uh, and I've also got the answer to this week's Trek trivia. All that's coming up in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a counseling service, but it's not like a traditional one. It is similar in that you get to speak to a licensed professional therapist and you get safe and private advice in a one-on-one setting. But what makes BetterHelp different is that you do it in a way that suits you at an affordable price. BetterHelp is online only, which means that when you first match with a counselor, it's through their website or mobile app. But you can also schedule phone or video sessions, and that service is available for clients worldwide. All of it without having to sit in a waiting room. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a Daily Star Trek News listener, you can get 10% off your first month of counseling by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. All right, so we heard from Jack, we heard from BetterHelp. Now let's hear from T. He says, My trek to the stars began when I was 11 years old. My family and I were in a gift shop of some kind, and I picked up a VHS table, sorry, a VHS tape labeled Star Trek III The Search for Spock. What's Star Trek? I asked my father innocently. He told me it was a science fiction show and I'd probably like it. So I bought the VHS tape and I watched it as soon as I got home. I was hooked. Admittedly, Star Trek III is a strange place to start. It's the second part of a, of a trilogy. Star Trek IV wasn't out yet. I think I just dated myself. And Star Trek II had ended in the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. Someone named Spock was dead. Someone else named Dr. McCoy seemed to have lost his marbles. I had no context for the story and I didn't know what a Klingon was. I hadn't heard of the Enterprise's five-year mission. And at the end of the film, the ship blows up. I didn't know what it all meant, but I intended to find out. Thus began my 36-year and counting mission to watch all of Trek. I devoured every episode of the original series, getting caught up on it every weeknight on WPIX at 6 o'clock. Eventually, the last TOS episode I hadn't seen was The Squire of Gothos, and when it came on, I begged my mother to let us eat in front of the television, which she did. My mission was complete. And then... The Next Generation premiered and my quest resumed. I saw every episode when it aired and watched the movies when they were released, then came Deep Space Nine and eventually Voyager. When I was 18, my father and I went on a trip to Los Angeles. I had written a DS9 script, and they still had an open submission policy at the time, so I figured I'd drop it off. To my amazement... Wait, I missed a sentence, right? We drove up to those iconic Paramount gates and I told the security guard why I was there. To my amazement, he opened the gates and told us to drive up to the nearby guardhouse. We walked in and I gave the guard there the same story. Go ahead and put it in Rick Berman's box over there. (laughs) What? I was actually hand-delivering a script to the co-creator of Deep Space Nine's Pigeonhole. I savored the moment as I delivered my carefully crafted masterpiece and then turned to leave. My dad and I were halfway out the door when the guard said, you guys want a tour? Did we? We were given our own personal tour guide and our own private tour. We visited props and costume storage spaces. We saw the parking lot that they filled with water for the end of Star Trek IV. We got onto the Enterprise conference room set. It was a fan's dream. And best of all, they were filming Star Trek Generations. And when the production let out for lunch, 
We were walking through the back lot. Suddenly, we were surrounded by a crew of Klingons. I thought I'd died and gone to Stovacore. <laughs> a few months later, I got a very nice form rejection letter for my script, but I didn't care. I'd had an incredible experience that I'd never forget. I've spent my entire life, wait, I've spent my life watching every Trek incarnation. In my opinion, even bad Trek is good Trek. I've been to several conventions, including the 50th anniversary one in New York, and one other thing. Professionally, I'm a stage manager. I worked in New York at Symphony Space, a theater founded by a man named Isaiah Sheffer. Now, the shows I did mostly took place in the small black box theater called Leonard Nimoy's Thalia or Thalia Theater. Mr. Nimoy had put up the money for a renovation at one time because Mr. Sheffer was a dear friend of his. And when Isaiah retired, I stage managed the tribute that was held in his honor. It was directed by James Naughton and featured a variety of well-known performers, including, you guessed it, Leonard Nimoy. Now, for the sake of professionalism, I acted cool as a cucumber, but inside I was leaping up and down. While I was running the show from backstage, I felt a presence come up beside me to watch. I glanced over and saw Spock himself standing beside me, hands clasped behind his back in a very Vulcan science officer pose, and I knew I could retire right then with no regrets. Mr. Nimoy passed away not long after that. I have no absolute proof of this, but I believe I was the last stage manager to have the privilege of working with him, although briefly. Now there are new treks, new starships, and even new Spocks. There are still strange new worlds to which I can boldly go, and new life forms for me to seek out. And my mission continues. I love it. <laughs> okay, a huge thank you to T for that story. And now just to put the pressure on him, <laughs> here's the answer to this week's Trek trivia brought to you by T. On Tuesday, I asked you, Brent Spiner not only reprised his role as Data in Star Trek Picard, but also as Alton Inigo Sung, Dr. Noonien Sung's son. But who came up with the name Alton Inigo and why? The answer? Brent Spiner was the one who suggested the name to producers. The actor, who has portrayed every male member of the Sung family, with the exception of Dr. Ira Graves, if you consider him Data's grandfather, uh, He's portrayed every male member of the Soong family, and he thought that the name Alton Inigo would be fitting given the character's interest in synthetic life forms uh, because the initials spell AI. <laughs> now, right, that's the end of the show, but don't forget we're off next week. Uh, Tuesday through Friday, I've got more Star Trek stories from listeners like you. If you'd like to read some more, some ones we've done in the past, and maybe submit one of your own, uh, head to dailystartreknews.com forward slash Star Trek stories, and you can find out more information there. Thanks for listening to Star Trek stories from Daily Star Trek News. Daily Star Trek News is produced by me, Allison Pitt, and it's written by Chris Peterson and Jack Brown with trivia by T. Rick Jones. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of counseling at betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. I'll see you back here on Monday, July 12th with all the latest Star Trek news and a few Star Trek stories uh, between now and then. <laughs> I'm Allison Pitt. Have a wonderful long weekend here in the States and a lovely week. Live long and prosper. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.